off the rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council. Tannen, Executive Director of the U.S. Faster Payments Council, and this is Off the Rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council, sponsored by Volante Technologies. And welcome to our final episode of 2023, finishing up another fun year going off the rails. It's hard to believe we've been at this for three years now, and this is episode 59. A few more fun stats for you. In our first year, we had about 1,500 downloads, not quite. In year two, we increased to doing episodes twice a month, and the downloads increased to about 5,000. And this year, we've actually had more downloads than we got in both of those years combined. Uh, and of course, social media posts we've made have generated tens of thousands of impressions for the show and for the FPC and for our mission. Please, please, please help us continue to grow the show. Loyal listeners like you are the best way to help increase our listener count. I'd love to hit 10,000 downloads in 2024, and I need your help. And of course, the reason you all listen, the conversations we have with leaders across the payment space. This time, we have Colin Parsons with Verifin to talk about all things payments fraud and bagpipes. But first, let's check a few headlines. The FPC spring member meeting will be at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin Hotel Resort in Florida March 27th and 28th. Registration is open at fasterpaymentscouncil.org. And while you can, of course, stay anywhere you like, we have a special member rate and you get special park perks if you stay at the Swan and Dolphin Hotel. And that will be a really good thing when you join us for our evening event at Epcot Theme Park. Head over to fasterpaymentscouncil.org to book your room. We've expanded the agenda to allow for more opportunities to hear from fellow members and to network with friends and colleagues. And if you're like me, you're looking for any opportunity to get on a few rides at Walt Disney World, we've got a microsite to grab discounted park tickets. You can find all that under the events tab on fasterpaymentscouncil.org. I actually already did this and I saved quite a bit compared to the published prices. FPC members, you should have already gotten your renewal notices and we are super excited about continuing to work with you to advance the FPC's mission of safe, easy to use, ubiquitous, faster payments. If you're listening and you aren't a member, now is a great time to join. 2024 is gonna be a huge year in faster payments and the FPC is the center of that action. Head to fasterpaymentscouncil.org to apply for membership. Membership includes access to members-only content, unlimited access to workgroup activities, members-only webinars, the ability to run for our board and vote for board members, and unlimited attendance at our twice-annual in-person member meetings. Okay, that's enough of the headlines, and as we, as we get into this discussion with Colin Parsons of Verifin. <laughs> We are joined by Colin Parsons from Verifin. Colin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Reed. Excited to be here. All right. Uh, I'm really glad you got on the show here because fraud, of course, has always been a big topic in payments, but I'd say it's come even more into focus this year with the ecosystem uh, building an understanding specifically and particularly around instant payments fraud and how to combat that. So, you know, why don't you start off here by talking a bit about Verifin and also what you're seeing in the market in terms of fraud vectors and what can be done in terms of fraud mitigation best practices. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Verifin's been around for uh, uh, 20 years now, um, and our purpose is really to protect the world's financial interactions. So 
what the way that we do that is through our financial crime management platform. Um, that includes we have products from BSA AML compliance, high risk customer management, sanction screening, um, as well as fraud detection and management. And I mean the the fraud side of things is where uh, where my focus is and and where we're going to be we talking a lot about today. Um, we have we have uh, over twenty four hundred financial institutions as customers. So we do a lot of our learning by uh, by talking to those customers, understanding the the trends that they're seeing, and really just trying to figure out how we can help solve their problems. Um, over the last year or so, I'd say there's probably been two major trends that uh, we've seen um, really across the board. Uh, you know, you you, you kind of get some pockets in certain areas of different things, but two major trends that we've seen across the board. Um, the first being the the increase in check fraud. Um, a little bit of a surprise, I would say, uh, coming out of the the pandemic, but uh, that that's the first trend. And the second was really around the increase in um, scams and what we often call authorized push payment fraud. So that's the situation where um, you know somebody's tricked into sending a payment. They know that they're sending the payment. They just don't know who they're sending that payment to, and ends up in the hands of a fraudster. Those those are really the the kind of two major trends that that we've seen. Um, Check fraud is really driven by by mail theft um, and fraudsters taking advantage of the the old um, tried and true method of writing a check on a piece of paper. Um, and on the the kind of flip side, the the authorized push payment fraud that's really been driven by um, social engineering. Um, and it's like I said, it's tricking somebody into sending money uh, over any payment channel. Really, that could be wire, ACH, faster payments. And it's things like romance scams, investment scams, uh, business email compromise. Um, and it really, it comes back to fraudsters figuring out that nowadays it's it's a lot uh, a lot of the time it's easier just to trick somebody into sending money than you know breaking into an online account and uh, stealing funds that way. So um, yeah, th those are the trends that we've seen. I, I think, in terms of ways that we can mitigate it, um, there's there's lots of ways that we can help prevent fraudsters from winning. Um, you know, it seems like they're always changing. There's there's always different things that are happening, but there's there's a few things I, I think always kind of ring true, which is education is always a key piece of the the puzzle. Um, making sure that uh, everybody is aware of these types of scams, the way that, that different things are happening, um, is, is super super key to to um, to solving the, the problem of fraud, um, as well as offering alternative method, uh, payment methods, really, other than check. Um, so people aren't sending checks in the mail as often. If uh, there's easier ways to send money, um, you know, checks are easy. You can write a check out in a couple of seconds and uh, you're good to go. But if there's easier ways to send money, then um, th then that just prevents uh, fraud on, on the check channel. Um, and, and also using collaborative approaches in, in fraud prevention uh, programs. So I, I strongly believe that if financial institutions can work together, um, that's really the key to uh, for us to win the battle against fraudsters. We know fraudsters are working together. We see it in their, um, uh, you know, uh, on the dark web and uh, in Telegram channels and things like that. So, financial institutions really need to be working together as well um, to to help the the fight against the fraudsters. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you brought up check fraud because that was something that I wanted to get into with you because you know there's lots of attention, of course, on instant payments fraud being that it's a sort of new payment type, 
Um, and obviously fraud mitigation there is going to be essential and we're going to dive into that for sure. But, you know, check fraud, as you mentioned, is, I, you know, running rampant is maybe a word I would use. It's definitely increasing significantly. It's becoming more and more of a focus. So um, dig in a little bit on that. Like, what are we seeing? Do you have numbers or anything we can share and talk about there? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, it's wild. Like checks, check fraud continues to increase but check usage continues to decrease quarter over quarter. I know we've, we've seen uh, uh, even over the, uh, the last little while, FinCEN coming out with um, uh, reports that there's there's no anticipation that check fraud is going down. It's, you know, and that's exactly what we see in our data too, is that it's going to continue to rise um, like it has been over the last little while. Um, and what's also really interesting about it is it's driven by... Um, it's driven by mail theft, like I like kind of talked about before. It's when when we think broadly about kind of the different types of check fraud that there there are. Um, there's really the first type is if there's a um, somebody tries to create a check, they don't know very much about the account. They maybe know the account number or the routing number. They write out a check. Um, it doesn't look anything like the real check. The sequence number is completely out of. Um, out of line with their their normal patterns. So those are pretty easy to detect. You can see, you know, this doesn't line up with your normal patterns. The image looks completely different. Great. But really what we've been seeing uh, lately is the harder types of check fraud to solve are the ones that are, are increasing. So things like um, really good counterfeits or stolen checks that, like I said, they're coming out of the mail. You're, you have the legitimate check, the real check, you just change the pay to line, maybe change the dollar value. Um, and then it's it's really hard, you know, the sequence numbers line up. It's really hard to detect that type of fraud um, just because there's really, there's not enough signals in the, the data to see that there's fraud there. Um, but I'll go back to my kind of first point that, again, if we're, if we're working together, if we can, as a network um, of financial institutions, link those two sides together. So Every in-clearing check fraud is a deposit fraud on the other side. If we can kind of, uh, if we can link those two sides together, then we can use more data across the network to actually detect those types of fraud and um, and ultimately uh, get to more accurate um, detection of in-clearing check fraud. Yeah, one thing that you hit on that I think is really important for folks to to think about. We tend to think about things as sort of all or nothing propositions, right? So, you know, as long as I'm offering checks, I'm going to have check fraud and I'm going to have to deal with it. But but you said something before that it's important, I think, for us to sort of emphasize. And that's that if you can reduce the number of checks that your customers are sending through the mail or whatever it might be, that's going to reduce the types of fraud that are really tough to detect, right? The ones where they take the check and they wash it and they change the pay to and the amounts and all that, and they make it it's a real, it's a real check, but they changed what's, you know, the, the things that they care about on it. Um, yeah. So if there are fewer checks in the mail, then there are fewer checks that they can do that to. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's interesting that uh, the, you know, the, the U S postal service is an incredible uh, tool, but it's wasn't designed really as a, uh, a payment method, right? It's not a payment rail. Like you think of a, a wire or a, like a faster payment channel, right? It's there are so many human interactions along that that pipeline of uh, mail moving from one place to another, and so many opportunities for uh, for the checks to just be stolen that um, you know we we wouldn't expect that from a, a digital channel uh, to move money around. Um, you know, so 
like you said, if we if we can get rid of uh, more of those checks going through the mail, um, then we'll, we'll be in a better place overall. Yeah, for sure. And then zooming out, and you kind of touched on this a bit, but you know, when you think about the entire payments ecosystem, financial institutions, payment networks, corporates, tech providers, you know, everybody who's involved in the payments ecosystem, what should we be doing collaboratively to mitigate fraud? You know, after all, it should be something that we all want to stop. You know, especially when you consider what's being done with the funds that are stolen. Yeah, it's it's a universal problem. It's across so many different uh, industries, and you know, it it comes a lot of the times. It comes down to financial institutions, um, and financial institutions have a really key role in uh, preventing fraud. But we we start to see some collaboration in uh, other jurisdictions um, across multiple different industries. So, bringing in um, some of the telcos or some of the big tech companies and um, collaborating with uh, those industries. Um, as well as financial institutions um, to to identify uh, bad actors in uh, in those networks and see how that connects into the the financial industry as well. If if you think about you know um, if you think about a, a payment, it's it comes back to uh, somebody sending money to somebody else, um, having some sort of interactions with somebody else, and um, that's not going to happen at a financial institution by itself, there has to be something else that's happening outside of it. So, um, so it's not just within financial institutions; it's kind of the the broader uh, a network that that we need to kind of work together on. But um, of course, within the financial industry alone, there's there's lots of improvement that we can make in in terms of collaboration and and, um, and working together. Um, I think often when when I talk about uh, in financial institutions working together. Um, People kind of instantly think about uh, information sharing and the the safe harbor through um, Section three fourteen B of the Patriot Act, which essentially allows institutions to share PII that's related to financial crime um, with uh, with other institutions. But that's it's not the only way that we can work together. It's really it's an important part of that kind of overall um, in depth investigations and uh, working when people are working on recovering funds, but. It's it's too slow for payments. Um, you know, it requires a lot of human interaction. Um, so it's it's too slow for a, a faster payment channel that you need. You know, the funds are available essentially immediately. So in terms of collaborating on on things like faster payments, we we really need more um, ability to automatically make decisions on payments in you know in milliseconds, um, but. The challenge is you only really have half of the information about a transaction. You know about the sender of the transaction, but you don't really know a whole lot about the receiver. So if we can build out kind of profiles of the receivers of payments, understand the risks uh, associated with them, uh, are they an established account? Is Has there been fraud going to this account before? Um, is it actually owned by the person who's the intended beneficiary? Um, and all of that has to happen before the funds leave the bank uh, or else then you're stuck in recovery mode. So having that kind of consortium uh, view across a network, uh, being able to build out those profiles is that's really the uh, kind of uh, interesting thing and the and the the best way to approach this problem in my mind, um, especially from a, a faster payments perspective. And the, the cool thing about this too is that you get the insights from all that data, but um, you're you're not sharing PII between FI, so it makes it 
safer, it makes it more efficient, and uh, ultimately you get to a, a better payment rail at the end of the day. It's, it's interesting to think about, like, so sort of coming full circle, we talked about the mail being a, susceptible to fraud. You know, it's like a, the OG communication channel, right? Yeah. And now, like we're saying, well, if we actually can leverage some information from more modern communication channels, we can actually fight fraud. So that's, you know, that's, it's, you know, funny how that works. Um, how about looking forward a bit? If you look forward to, you know, say two years from now, how do you think we'll be talking about instant payments fraud? I guess, will we be talking about successes or failures? Yeah, that, that's it's a good question. Um, I think it has to be successes. You know, to be to be honest, the U.S. Is, has hasn't been the quickest when it comes to adopting uh, instant payments. Um, so that does give us the advantage that uh, we can see some of the challenges that other jurisdictions have had and learn from uh, the ways that they've um, they've kind of approached these problems. Um, you know, the, the UK, as an example, had a huge rise in uh, authorized push payment fraud, um, which ultimately led them down the uh, the approach of a, a split liability model where the sending and receiving institutions split the losses associated with certain types of scams. Um, and I don't know if we're necessarily going in, the, in that direction, but um, just having that understanding that, you know, authorized push payment fraud is, is going to rise. Um, and regardless of the channel that it's going across, but the fact that it's going on a, a faster payment is, uh, is one of the things that will, will make it, um, kind of happen faster. All right. Uh, good stuff, Colin. Uh, you ready to play a game? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's, let's play it by ourselves. So I'm going to put out some propositions and you're going to agree and buy or disagree and sell and then tell us why. Uh, first one, fraud prevention is something individual organizations should tackle on their own. I think I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. <laughs> I would sell this one like it's going out of style. Um, I think, you know, everything I've said, um, fraudsters are working together, so we have to work together as well. Um, one of the ways that I think about this is if you think about, um, if you think about playing a, a game of football, but nobody knows the plays that uh, what the plays are for the team. We weren't allowed to practice beforehand. We're not allowed to talk to each other during the game. It would take a lot of luck to win that game. Um, and you know, if we're not collaborating together, that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, and that's true whether you're talking about football or American football. Uh, instant <laughs> payments are inherently more fraud prone than other mainstream payment types by or sell. Uh, I, I'm going to sell this one too. Oftentimes, fraudsters don't actually care what the rail is that they're that it's going over. They just want their money, and to be honest, they don't choose the rail because sometimes it would just be more suspicious if they did. So, you know, if they say, "Oh, we we need this in X Y Z," you we you know we need this in a RTP transaction or we need this in a wire, um, you know, sometimes they will try to get it as quick as possible. As they you know, often fraud has that kind of. Uh, urgency associated with it. But um, at the end of the day, they just want to get their money. How about this one? Checks are inherently more fraud prone than other mainstream payment types. I I will buy this one, but it's not just checks. It's really, it's everything that goes along with checks. So, you know, there's things that we can do to make checks better. Um, like I said, linking the deposit side and the in-clearing side, using positive pay more, um, changing some hold policies that, that we have in place today. Um, but what's going on now with mail theft, checks are, are just, they're, they're ripe for the picking from the, the fraud perspective. 
Yeah. I mean, it's literally a piece of paper with your account and routing number on it. Yeah, um, it. All right. How about buy or sell pairing up a fresh pizza with a hot cup of coffee? <laughs> I I have to say sell on this one. Um, I just, I can't imagine putting on a pot of coffee uh, while making um, a margarita pizza, for example. But I will say there's probably one exception. Um, we have a, a local pizza shop, uh, and I've made this myself as well, that makes Nutella pizzas as kind of a dessert. All right. I, I would like happily have a Nutella pizza with uh, a nice cup of coffee. There you go. Uh, that that does sound pretty. Good. I was thinking like breakfast pizza maybe would be the would be the trick there. Um, uh, regulation is needed to advance activity in mitigating faster payments fraud. I, I would sell on this one. So I don't think regulation is strictly needed. We've started to see that in the Zelle space a little bit. Um, they there's been you know some reimbursement starting. Uh, with really a lot of pressure from government, but no actual changes in regulation. So I'm I'm hopeful that we can get to a place where with faster payments where we're on top of the fraud trends and we don't actually need that regulation. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I could see going to a similar model um, that the UK has of a split liability. Um, the next year or so. All right. Uh, and, you know, we hear a lot about people like to learn to play the guitar. My kids learn to play the piano, but buy or sell that the bagpipes are an underrated instrument. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is a definite buy for me. All um, right. But I will say that they're great when they're played well. It's a very finicky <laughs> instrument. Um, since they're so loud, when it's out of tune, you definitely hear that it's out of tune. Um, and it's hard to hide that. So uh, it takes a lot of work to get them into a good place. Um, there's there's a world bagpipe championship in Glasgow every year, so if you're interested, if you want to listen to some really good bagpiping, um, check out some YouTube videos of the the grade one bands that play there. They they are really impressive. Right on, and I will say that going from piano, where like you know you hit a key and it plays the note that it's supposed to yeah. play, to my daughter's now learning violin. You know, mm -hmm. if you if you don't play it just right, like it it can you know she and she's good, but you know it can. <laughs> I could I could see the bagpipe being similar. Like if it's off, yeah, exactly. It's off. Um, all right, there's more fraud occurring through RTP and Fed now than we think. Buy or sell? I think that's a buy, um, but I wouldn't restrict that just to RTP and Fed now. I think it's valid on every single payment channel. There's you know we hear about um, people being embarrassed really to talk about some of these frauds. Like the a lot of these scams are, are kind of deeply personal and. Um, People don't often don't want to admit, and will will take the loss in in certain cases. So uh, I think that's that's true for um, for every channel. Yeah, I do think it's super important as we as professionals in this space try to make it safer and easier and more comfortable for people to talk about when they've been scammed and when they've been defrauded, and not not sort of um, you know blame the victim or make people feel like they should have known better. Like it's our job to make them help them know better, and it's our job to help them report this so we know what's going on. Um, how about FedNow will have a thousand financial institutions on the network by the end of 2024? I'm I'm gonna buy this one. Um, I think I think it's a bit of a stretch. We are we're very close to 2024 now, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's an exciting time, and uh, I'm I'm definitely hopeful that um, that we'll see that. 
All right. Uh, and then RTP mid late summer, they announced they had passed 500 million transactions that they'd processed over the network uh, in the first five-ish years that they've been operating. Buy or sell that they'll have 5 million, 500 million transactions in 2024. I'm also going to buy that one again. I, I'm uh, I'm hopeful that that we will see a, a continued trend towards um, the faster payment channels, and I think at some point we're we're going to start to see that kind of hockey stick curve um, just just go up when uh, when we get into some of the um, the use cases being adopted more. So um, yeah, I, I think that's a buy. All right, congratulations! You have one buy or sell. You're very Great. good job. All right, Thank let's let's move quickly into our lightning round. Uh, biggest advance in fraud mitigation we will see in 2024. So I don't want to be cliche and say artificial intelligence, but I am going to say artificial intelligence plus consortium data sets. So giving that view across the industry, I think that's going to give us huge improvements uh, in 2024. Yeah, I mean, there's AI is going to be the answer to a lot of prediction questions. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Biggest impediment to progress with instant payments? Um, fear of fraud. I might be a little bit biased um, uh, in just the conversations that we have, but uh, I will say fear of fraud right now, but that's, but not something that we can't get over. That's not an uncommon answer from even from folks who are not fraud specialists. Uh, good first step for FIs interested in developing an instant payments fraud strategy. So I think... A new technology like instant payments is a great opportunity to kind of look overall at uh, improvements. So just start looking at your other payment rails, see what's working, see what isn't working, and then figure out how you can do all of those things faster. All right. What are you brewing today and how are you brewing it? <laughs> uh, this morning, I had a um, holiday blend from a local roaster called uh, Bonavista Coffee um, and is in a... Uh, uh, v60 pour over all right that, that doesn't mean anything to me but it, I'm sure <laughs> it was great uh something coming soon in payments that people should be excited about uh cross-border faster payments love it and something you would like to use faster payments to do in your personal life so the the interesting one for me is real estate transactions uh, not that i'm doing a lot of real estate transactions all the time <laughs> but just you know, they're always confusing. There's always a lot going on in that uh, kind of closing period. And just having the faster payment rail to take care of all that is uh, something that I think is, is is a great use case. Yeah, I think we're going to have at least one session on that very topic at the spring member meeting. So I look forward to that. Hey, Colin, great stuff. Thanks for joining us. Any final thoughts before I let you go? Oh, I really appreciate you having me here. Um, I think it's a really exciting time. You know, the last year or so, we've seen uh, a lot of uh, adoption, a lot of kind of changes in the industry. And, um, you know, fraud, it's not all doom and gloom. Fraud is uh, is always going to be there, uh, no matter what the channel. Um, and I think uh, as an industry, we can, we can continue to uh, fight the fight against fraudsters. All right. Hey, thanks so much for being on the show and uh, happy holidays and happy new year. Thanks, Reese. You too. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again to Colin for joining us and taking time to talk about fraud. And thank you all for listening. And don't forget to register for the spring member meeting at fasterpaymentscouncil.org. Talk to you all next year.